are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Online at BethanyNaz.org. Are you aware of the fact that one day God said these words in regard to His Son Jesus? Here's what He said. Listen to Him. I want so much for when you leave this day. And, and you go throughout the rest of your day and throughout the rest of the week that those words would just be in your, in your mind and in your heart. So I'm going to say it, and then you repeat the phrase after me. Listen to Him. I have never met anybody who's come in my office to talk who has said something like this. Pastor, I've got a problem. Maybe you can help me with it. I just simply am too good of a listener, and it's a problem. I've never had anybody say, I just listened myself right out of my last job. I got fired because I was just paying too close attention to what people were saying to me. Never has happened. Do you understand that we have this little joke that says, uh, God gave us two ears and a mouth for a reason, so that we would listen twice as much as we talk. But I think that's good advice for most of us. I was reading a book just this week about listening, and I learned something, and it was true to my own life. So I was sitting at a dinner just this week with six adults. The server comes out and he says to us, Hey, everybody, my name is Mike, and uh, I'm going to be taking care of you this evening. Can I get you started with some drinks? And so we all ordered our drinks, and Mike walks away. And I say to those other five adults at the table, uh, What was the waiter's name? And everybody just kind of looked at each other and said, Oh, I know he said it. Um... Finally, one person said, Mike. And what I read this week is that in in introductions, so when somebody introduces themselves to you and says, hey, my name's Rick, the chances are it will probably take you another time to hear that name or maybe another before you actually get it. Do you know why? Because you're sizing the person up. So when somebody says, their name. You're really not listening to their name. Your brain is doing a whole lot of other stuff. And so I realized that happens to me. I go to a restaurant. The person tells me their name. I don't remember it. I'm standing in the foyer on Sunday morning, and there's people that I've never met before. And so I say hi to them. My name's Rick. They tell me their names. And in a minute, I motion somebody over, and I say, hey, this is their first Sunday here. Because I can't remember the name. My brain is doing other things. So I want to think with you a little bit about listening, okay? So I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm expecting a verbal answer from everybody, okay? So here we go. Of all the voices, of all the voices that have ever been heard, that have ever been heard in the history of the world, of all the voices that have ever been heard in the history of the world, which is the most significant voice. This is a good boy over here. He said my mother. Because your mother told you about Jesus. In the history of the world, of all the voices that have been heard, which is the most important? Jesus. So you might find this interesting. Do you know how many words we have recorded of Jesus speaking? Anybody got a guess? How many recorded words do we have of Jesus in the New Testament? The number is actually 36,000. 
However, the number is a bit skewed because you might remember that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John sometimes repeat the same story. And so if you eliminate all of the duplicate words, we actually only have 20,000 recorded words of Jesus. So for you, that may be really hard to process, so I'm going to make it simple. I'm going to give you perspective. Are you ready? They tell us that the average adult female will speak that same number, 20,000 words on a given day. So why are you laughing? We have 20,000 recorded words of Jesus. And so to put it in perspective, they tell us the average adult female will speak about 20,000 words in just one day. The same researchers suggest that most adult males will speak about 7,000 words in a given day. But I'm not going to go there and I'm not going to talk about that's another sermon for another time. I think that sermon will be called, Listen to Her, instead of Listen to Him. So the reason I make fun of it is because at my house, my wife would tell you the roles are reversed. I'm going to speak 20,000, Annette is going to speak 7,000. So just think with me. If all we have are 20,000 words of Jesus, right? 20,000 words. And you are a follower of Jesus. Or you are interested in knowing more about Jesus. Don't you think that those 20,000 words ought to be really important to you and to me? I mean, they should be guiding our lives. We should be thinking about them like crazy. We should know them almost by heart, right? You say, Rick, why? Why are you so worked up? Why should those words be so important? You know, I just want you to, to stop and think with me for a minute, okay? Just consider this, okay? Would this be the case? Could it be? Have you ever stopped to think? Have you ever stopped to wonder? Have you ever stopped to imagine that it just may be that Jesus has something to say to you? If your friend says you should listen to Jesus, maybe you should. If your mama says you should listen to Jesus, you probably should. But if God says that you should listen to Jesus, which He did, then you should listen to Jesus. Because it could be that Jesus, He has something to say to you. So what I would love to do with this few minutes we have left is just... Go to God's Word, Matthew chapter 17, and let me take you to the story where God actually says in regard to Jesus, you guys, every one of you guys, you should listen to Jesus, okay? So here we go, Matthew 17, verse 1. He gives us context after six days. We'll talk about it in just a minute. Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. Which John? John, the brother of James. Okay, now we know which one. And he led them up to a very high mountain by themselves. By themselves is significant. Matthew is trying to say only those four climb the mountain, okay? Jesus, Peter, James, and John. Here we go. There he was transfigured before them. There's a hand in the back of the room. What, what do you need? What does transfigured mean? Okay, here's what it means. His face shone like the sun. You got it? Jesus' face was glowing, shining like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. How are we doing? How's the meter? 
How do you deal with it when God does things that we can't explain and don't fully understand? How do you process when God does something? I can't explain that. I, I don't even fully understand it. I just know it says that Jesus' face was shining like the sun and that his clothes became white as light. It, it, it goes on. Look at the next slide. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah. These guys have been dead for a couple of thousand years, and they were talking with Jesus. And they were talking about the fact that he is going to leave, meaning the cross, okay? So Peter said to Jesus, you know Peter, he just, he just says stuff, he just talks. He says, Lord... You know, he's excited. It's really good for us to be here. Uh, if you wish, I'll tell you what I can do. I'll put up three shelters, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. So there's been a lot of speculation. What did Peter mean? And some say that he just wanted to be there in the glory of God. You know, he didn't want to leave. Let's build shelters and stay. And, and I love how Luke, when he tells the story, and Mark, when he tells the story, how they just deal with it. Luke just says this, Peter had no idea what he was saying. He didn't know what he was talking about. And then Mark says it like this, Peter was so afraid, he, he didn't even know what to say. There are certain people, I would be one of them, when I don't know what else to do, I just start talking. And that's what Peter was doing, okay? So here we go, while he was still speaking, God just says, you know, it's like God just put his hands over Peter's mouth, just be quiet, a cloud covered, this is important stuff. It's important to the history of Israel. You know what it's called? Shekinah. You know what Shekinah is? It's the glory of God. A bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Read the next three words with me. Listen to him. So when the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. I brought a picture with me because uh, it's one of my favorite pictures that I have of myself. The last time I was in this little African country called Iswatini, my friends Doug and Margaret said, anywhere you want to go while you're here, we got one day we could work something in. I said, yeah, I want to go to Harmon's Rock. So a hundred years ago, a guy named Harmon Smelzenbaugh traveled on a ship to Africa a hundred years ago in order to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people on the continent of Africa. He ends up in this little country called Swaziland. And he built this mission station, okay? Here's the picture. And he would climb the mountain behind the mission station, and he would find this very rock. This is the rock right here. This is the rock. Elmer told us, his son told us, this was the rock. I was there with my dad many times, and my dad would go, and he would get on that rock, and he would get on his knees. Sometimes he would put his forehead on the rock, and he would pray. Look at the site. Look at all of Swaziland that you can see from that mountaintop. And I remember the day I was there, and I got on my knees on that rock, and I prayed. And it was very, very meaningful to me. 
not Matthew, but when Luke tells the story, here's what he says. We went up, or they rather, went up to the mountain to pray. And it was while they were on the mountain, Peter, James, John, they had to talk about it. That's the only way we know that it happened, right? While they were praying, this transfiguration happened. Not only did Jesus shine brightly, but Mark says that Elijah and Moses were shining brightly also. But something amazing happened. They realized without any doubt who Jesus was. So you, you, you can't leave me here, okay? You, you have to stay for these next two minutes. You have to lean in. The context after six days. Six days from what? Six days ago, Jesus looks at Simon Peter, and you know what he says to him? Who do people say that I am? And they begin to answer. Some say Elijah. Some say the prophet. Then he asks another question. But who do you say that I am? Do you remember what Peter says? You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. You are the anointed one. You are the Messiah. You're the one that we have been waiting for. You're the one who will fulfill the law and the prophets. Now, you can't just breeze by that thing without me looking you in your eye right now and you looking in my eyes and me asking you the very same question and you asking me the very same question. Who do you say that Jesus is? Come on. Nobody gets to not answer. I'm talking about your Christology, what you believe about Christ. Hey, Rick, is that real important? How we identify Jesus determines how we listen to Him. If you were to say to me, I am an expert in a certain field. I am a leading expert in the world today on the coronavirus. What I believed about you would determine how I listen to you. If I think you're a bag of hot air, I'm not going to pay any attention to what you're saying. But if I become convinced that, oh yeah, I think this guy's the real deal or this gal, I think they're a leading expert, then it really changes the way that I listen to you. What you believe about Jesus determines how you listen to Him. And so what happens is the story unfolds, becomes so powerful, because standing there with Jesus is Moses and Elijah. Now I want you to think really hard and tell me what it is that Moses represents. What did he write? The law is right. What group of people does Elijah represent? The prophets is right. Here are two of the most important people in the history of all of Israel. And they have come to say, we believe that this is the Messiah, the one that we wrote about, the one we talked about, the one we dreamed of. We believe this is God's Son. If you're a Jew, it means everything to you. But just in case you're not a Jew, God says, let me just settle it once and for all, okay? This is my son. God himself speaks. I love him. I'm pleased with him. You should listen to him. 
So I, I, I got a feeling you, you're looking at me going, what, what if you don't have one? I've never had one. Hey, Pastor Rick, have you had one? Had one what? I mean, one of, one of those, those like mountaintop kind of experiences. So last night I'm sitting at my house. My friends Jeffrey and Julie are in town. We had some other friends over. We're playing a game. And um, my buddy Jeffrey gets a text from his nephew Chad, who is a friend of mine. Chad's just a good boy. I read the text again this morning. Here's what he said. I found myself at a Bethel concert last night on the shore in Maryland with a couple of thousand people. And the people that were beside us was a father and his daughter and a neighbor who came because at the last minute his wife couldn't come. That father stood on his feet most of the concert with his hands in his air, worshiping behind the wheelchair that his daughter was in. And although she was not physically capable of singing, her hands were in the air most of the night too. And this young man, 25-year-old man, who came with them at the last minute did not profess to be Christian. But you could tell he was taken in by the whole night. And at the very end of the concert, when there was an opportunity to be forgiven of sin and to be born again and to ask Jesus to come into his heart, this young man opened his heart to Jesus. I got to celebrate with him. And Chad said, I know I'm on the shore of Maryland with only a couple of thousand people, but somehow I believe that something happened beyond me last night. I think I experienced the kingdom of God like I've not experienced the kingdom of God before. It's one of those moments when Chad Johnson would have said, I don't know that I can fully explain it. I don't know that I completely even understand how it all happened. But I experienced something powerful in that moment. And that guy's life got changed. I remember just a few months ago on a Saturday afternoon jumping in my car and running over to the church to meet just a handful of people in one of our classrooms. The reason I came over to the church was because the next morning we were going to celebrate with everybody how much money had been pledged for the sanctuary renewal. We had asked for four and a half million dollars. I had no idea how much money people would pledge. And that day in that room, they told me the number. At that point, it was 4.9 million. Since then, it's grown to 5.1 million. I remember laughing and crying and I remember my body just kind of shaking. I couldn't really get it to stop. <laughs> and I felt like God was trying to say something to me. Hey, Rick Harvey, do you understand how much I care about the future of this church? Do you have any idea the plans that I have for the future of this church? Do you have any understanding of how important the future of this church is to me? I've got your back. I've got you in the palm of my hand. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to move this forward. You are going to become a force for the kingdom of God. 
It was one of those mountaintop experiences. And just a few weeks later, I drove home from work one night, and that was just coming in the door. We get a phone call. We've been praying a prayer for my family for a long time. We've been saying, God, would you please help? God, would you please do something? God, can you move in this situation? And I remember getting a phone call, and the phone call said, God just answered the prayer. And I remember standing there holding the net. I was laughing and I was crying and we were both praying and trying to tell God how amazed we were at what he was doing. It was one of those mountaintop kind of experiences where God does things and I can't explain how he does it. I don't even fully understand it, but I see God doing something and it blows my mind and I'm filled with faith. So what are you going to do with all this? Because you can't hang out here. You're going to have to leave in a little while. So when you walk out the doors, what are you going to do? Let me ask you a question. The people who know you really well, do they consider that you are a really good listener? Do you ever find yourself when people are talking to you tempted to uh, look at your phone? Anybody want to be really honest in the room this morning and say, yeah, I struggle. I tend to look at my phone when I'm being talked to. I got one honest heart in the entire room. Anybody in the room look at your phone when you're being talked to? Of course we all do. Do any of you find yourselves interrupting somebody and having to apologize because you weren't really listening, you were just trying? Do you ever find yourself, sometimes I'm talking to somebody and I'm thinking to myself, they're not hearing a word I'm saying. They're just thinking about the next thing they're going to say. I'm afraid that happens to other people with me. Does anybody ever say things like this to you? Would you listen to me? You have not heard a thing I said. Wait, let me finish. So I picked on ladies earlier. Let me pick on the guys. Did you hear the story about the guy whose wife said to him, you have not heard one word I've said. And his first thought was, what an odd way to start a conversation. You might remember a few weeks ago I said to you, when you when you feel lost in life and, and you don't know which way to turn and you have questions you don't have answers for, what voices do you listen to? Because there's a lot of competing voices. There's plenty of voices trying to answer your questions. And so God just says in his word today, can we just can we just settle this? The cloud covers them. The cloud it was called Shekinah. Say the word Shekinah. It stood for the glory of the Almighty God. Throughout the history of Israel, they experienced the Shekinah. Like, what do you mean? Like when it covered the tabernacle, the cloud. Or when it led the Israelites when they didn't know which way to turn. There was a cloud and they just followed the cloud, the Shekinah, the glory of God. Or 
When Moses went to Mount Sinai and he brought back the Ten Commandments, the Shekinah was with Moses. Or when Solomon dedicated the temple in Jerusalem, the Shekinah filled the temple. And God breaks through the Shekinah. And here's what he says. This is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Listen to him. He has something to say to you. And what you believe about him will determine how you listen to him. All right. You ready? You're on. You're in. You bought. You're good to go. I'm going to listen. I'll give it to you, Pastor. You got me thinking. I probably should be paying more attention to what Jesus said. So what's the next thing Jesus says? What is it I should listen to? Fair question? Coronavirus has got everybody kind of concerned. I was with my good friend two nights ago. His work causes him to travel all over the world. He's headed to Africa Monday, and he's a little bit concerned, and I'm a little bit concerned for him. Did you know there's a beer? And the name of the beer, the brand of the beer is Corona. It's a Mexican brand. And have you heard on the news this week that the sale of Corona beer is way down? I'm not making this up. The stock is dropping. And in a poll taken by beer drinkers, 38% said there is no way they would purchase a Corona beer. Just can't bring to myself to say and. I'll have a Corona. Now, while you and I know that there's no relationship whatsoever to the Corona beer and the coronavirus, we also know that people are afraid. And there's some things people don't understand. And there's things people can't explain. And they're saying, yep, stand away from that. It's not unlike what we read in the Scripture today when the disciples fell face, ground, face, face to the ground because they were terrified. And, and are you ready? This is the first thing Jesus says. You ready? Don't. Be afraid. When you see God moving in ways that you can't explain or you don't understand, don't. Be afraid. Just because you don't understand it, just because you can't explain it, don't be afraid of that. Would you look at me? Here's what Jesus is saying. Allow for mystery and transcendence in your relationship with God. I think he's saying something even beyond that. I think he's saying expect God to move in ways you cannot explain and you may never fully understand. So I'm going to end with one story. There was a rural community And they were experiencing a major drought. And people are concerned. They know that if they lose these crops, 
that they lose income, and when they lose income, they lose livelihood. And people are worried. It hasn't rained. And they need it to rain. They desperately need it to rain. And so a pastor in this community decides that he should call a prayer meeting. Just invite the whole community to the church. What are we going to do when we get to the prayer meeting? He says, we're going to pray for rain. And so the night comes. The doors begin to fly open and people begin to file in. Wrangler jeans, big belt buckles, cowboy boots, lifting their hats off their heads when they enter the room. Many coming with wives, spouses, children. Before you know it, the little church is filled up with people. And they're going to pray for rain. They don't look happy. There's not a lot of chatter. It's mostly despair. They're discouraged. They're hurting. But the pastor notices that there is one person in the room that is not like anybody else in the room. Looks like maybe she's about 10 years old, a little girl, and she's beaming with this incredible smile on her face. <laughs> she looks happy. She looks joy-filled. She really doesn't fit in the room. But what really catches his attention is not just the smile on her face, but it's what she's holding in her hands. You know what it is, don't you? An umbrella. Because everybody else came praying for rain. She came expecting rain. Because when God does something that I don't fully understand and I can't really explain, I'm not going to let that scare me away. In fact, I think that's what I should expect from God. I think that's what He's like. So I know I've been saying to listen, and so I'm going to say, say it one more time. You might want to just listen to the words of the song. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at BethanyNaz.org.